Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Information Access Committee 411 session here at the 2021 ACB Annual Conference and Convention. The opening CEU code is 67410. Okay, and we'll give out the closing one at the end of this session. So again, 67410. It's been quite a ride here the last couple of days for the convention, and we're really, really happy to be here today. We've got a great panel with us today, and uh, I thought we would start by introducing the committee members that are here, and then we'll introduce our panel, and we'll get right into our topic. So, without further ado, let's introduce the co-chair of the committee, that being Judy Dixon. Hey, Judy. I think Judy is away. We'll come back to Judy. Uh, let's see. Larry is here. Hey, Larry. Hi there, Jeff. How's it going, my friend? It's going well, keeping busy, but then that's why I'm here. That's right, that's right. And John is here as well. Hello, John. Hello there, how are you? Good, good. Jason Castingway doing all great server things and uh, helping out where where he can and, and just doing an amazing effort for the convention. Hey, Jason. Hey, Jeff. Great to be here. Absolutely. And uh, let's see, Judy, are you back with us? I am back with you. There you are. Sorry, caught you off guard there. Sorry about that. that unmute button. Yes, I understand. Now I, I get that. And and how is that new book of yours going? Oh, it's going fine. Yeah, all about audio description, right? And you're going to be talking about that at the convention here. I am. So that's exciting. And Peggy. Hi. I've been in, really enjoying the session so far. So it's been a great, great, uh, great learning experience. Absolutely. And you... We're going to be talking about all things IRS and things coming up here later this summer, right? Yes, September. September, that's right. So yeah. everyone stay tuned for that. We'll, we're going to fill you in on the things you need to know and, and all that. So that's coming up. And we're, we're probably going to have an event in August, too, because we've got a little bit of a change happening um, for our second session due to its length and all of that. And we'll, we'll talk about that uh, coming up in the second part of uh, 411. I think unless someone else has ventured in, I think that is all of our IAC members. Is that right? I think Don's here. Oh, Don. Hey, Don. How's it going? Don is going to be the uh, facilitator for our financial presentation coming up on Wednesday night. And boy, do we have a gang, uh, just a, just a, an amazing presentation um, for that. So I'm really looking forward to that. I was able to actually watch one of the video presentations that's taking place at that session already, and it's just amazingly great. In fact, it's going to be one that we're going to probably want to put up as an archive for people to be able to to actually watch the video part of it and, and really dive deep into that topic because it's really meaty. It's going to be great. All right. Well, today we want to talk about Braille displays and, and uh, you know, not necessarily from a sales perspective because that's not why we're here we uh humanware and hymns have uh ways of of talking with you about the sales part of all of this but we really want to focus today around what type of device is the right device for you as a consumer and whether it's a note taker a smart braille device or just an e-reader type of a device and what type of technology should we be 
thinking about when we're connecting our Braille displays to these types of devices. So we've brought two experts in with us, and we have experts, of course, on the Information Access Committee that are here, too, that we'll pull from and ask questions of and, and get their opinions on and all of that. So, Peter... Welcome aboard, and Peter is from Humanware. How you I doing, am, Peter? Thank you so much, and I'm, I uh, I don't know the word expert usually isn't used uh, prior to my name, so I feel so honored, and truly I am glad to be here. So thank you. Oh, so but you are an expert, absolutely, absolutely. And <laughs> and and what do you do for, you, for Humanware? I am the brand ambassador of blindness products for Humanware, so I work primarily with all of our Braille and speech products. So all of our Braille displays, the note takers, and then the Victor Reader line of products. And I'm from Chicago, Illinois. Yeah, an ambassador. So is that better than an expert? Is that what that is? You know, uh, man, I I don't know. I have diplomatic immunity, so that's <laughs> yeah. the one major perk. Uh, yeah, but it's something it's, like uh, that, right? <laughs> it's certainly a, a relatively unused term in job titles. So I, I I may be one of the only ambassadors in the field. I don't know. It's uh, I'm I'm glad to to utilize that title though and throw it around. Although it doesn't have much much weight. I've tried. Oh, okay. Well, very good, Peter. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks we'll, so much. We'll come to you here in just a minute. Thomas, and you're from Hims, right? That is correct. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I'm the uh, vice president of marketing and sales for Hims. Um, it's uh, it's an honor to be here, and hopefully, I can provide some uh, some information to people that they might find useful. That's great. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, now I know uh, Judy is uh, the co-chair of the of uh, the IAC as well, but and and Judy has quite a bit of expertise in Braille, and so we're going to be calling on, on her a lot here too. In fact, Judy's got a museum at her house. How many Braille displays do you have now, Judy? Oh, it's embarrassing. <laughs> I think there's 16. Last time I counted. Oh, that's all. You haven't picked up any more well, since the last the time, time you counted, and that was a while back. Oh, so. okay. And, and Opticons, you've got plenty of those too. Well, I have a lot of Opticons. Most of them are dysfunctional, but I have about twenty-four Opticons. Yeah. And wow. I I wanted to have enough parts for my lifetime. Do you have one of the uh, one of those one cell? What was it called? The Braille Mate? Was that was the that what? It, I I do not. You don't have one of those. I don't. Not it's, you don't have one of those in the museum, huh? No. Okay. I just thought I'd ask. I figured, you know, if you probably have, you probably might have had one. I don't know. Who knows? I didn't like them much. <laughs> no. Well, I thought what we would do is is to start here from a, a little bit from just the, the types of devices that there are before we dive into the actual products themselves. And Judy, how do we think of when when we think about Braille displays or, or types of Braille displays? What categories do you think of in reference to? Uh, I think it's really a continuum. Yeah, we, ha- we have displays that can essentially do nothing but be a display for another device, for an iPhone, connect by a Bluetooth. Um, let's take the Hymns Beetle. I know it's not a product anymore, but it's awfully cute. And uh, the Beetle can be a Braille display for a smartphone. It can be a keyboard for other devices, but it doesn't really have much smarts of its own. Then there are displays like the new brilliant BIX, those displays, they're, they're a little bit, I don't know what the, because you know, they're not, it's not exactly a smart device, but it's certainly not stupid either. 
It's a device that can be a braille display for many things, but it also has some basic functionality of its own. It doesn't run apps and things like that, but it does have a scratch pad. It has, it has some functionality. So if, if what you want is primarily something that will connect to another device, but it's nice to have a little functionality when you're out and about, that's a nice device. And then there's the full-fledged, the new uh, Hymns Polaris 6, whatever it's called, and the, the new the Braille Note Touch that are very, 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 very feature-rich. And what I'm hoping these two guys will tell us about is, what features do you have that nobody else has? You know, why, why would I want that device over a Braille display and an iPhone where I have hundreds and hundreds of apps? So that's that's I think of it as kind of a continuum along along those lines. Okay, so before we get to them, let's talk a little bit about what is going to be offered. Uh, if if you're willing to talk a little bit about this from the, and I want to kind of keep it at a basic basic level of just what the intent was, not necessarily what it what is included because I think we'll get some of that from Peter, for example, but. The intent of, say, the stuff that's going to be offered from, say, you know, the, the, new, the new e-reader from NLS, right? Can we start here, Judy? Sure. NLS is currently piloting a Braille e-reader. There are two iterations of the e-reader made by two different manufacturers. One is made by Humanware and is physically the same as the Humanware Chameleon. It's not, the software is quite different. They're 20-cell Braille displays. They have uh, basic functionality as far as reading, accessing, newsline, things like that. They have file manager and lots and lots of settings and so forth. They don't have an editor. It's kind of along the same lines of our talking book players all these years. We're never able to record. So if you want an editor, you have to get a different kind of device. The other device is um, from Zumax, and that's the same standard, the same um, specifications that has 20 cells, has readers and all, all that, settings, lots of settings. They, they do have Bluetooth. They can connect to smartphones. They do have Wi-Fi. They can be screen reader for JAWS. We're working both with... Uh, Microsoft and Amazon so that they will be screen readers. They'll, they'll be able to be braille displays for narrator and fire tablets and things like that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That brings up some interesting technical questions, but we won't go dive into that here, Right. but uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, great. So we'll, we'll come back to you later around the type of person you think could use this device to say over the, the products that we'll be talking about here in just a minute. All right, let's turn now our attention to Peter and let's hear from you, Peter, about um, giving us, not necessarily from a sales perspective, but basically just talking about the devices you have and what you feel differentiates them in the market. Um, and we'll get, we'll get later to who should use what type. Uh, I want to have. I kind of want to have that as a an open panel discussion of. Okay, now we've heard about all these different things. Where does it fit into the lives of of individuals, and how should they make that choice? So before we do that, though, let's hear about just the the brief overview of 
the current offerings from Humanware. Is that okay, Peter? Absolutely. And then Thomas, we'll, we'll get to you. We're not taking hands yet, guys, so we'll, we'll get to you after we get done with the presentation. We'll try to leave as much time for that as we can, though. Okay? Just let people know. Sounds good. So uh, from, from our standpoint, uh, we really do have kind of the, the full-fledged note-taker, as Judy was mentioning, with the BrailleNote Touch Plus. So really something that would provide you with all of your uh, sort of use cases for a, a professional, somebody who is working in that connected classroom, in that connected workplace, having access to third-party apps, and then having access to Braille-first applications, Braille-first word processor, Braille-first planner or context list or web browser. And, you know, th- that sort of product, you know, when we get into the, the later questions, really will fit a, a different user than a Braille display. And I will say, it really pains me when I'm at the booth or when I'm uh, get a phone call or somebody reaches out and they have what I believe is just not the right product for them. You certainly, it's very important to ask questions. It's very important to come to these types of events. Thomas is here for a reason. I'm here for a reason. These vendors, we are all here. We want you to have the right device for you. It's not about bells and whistles and all this stuff if that's not the right need. So the note taker is certainly going to to fit that sort of bill in terms of having a braille first way of um, of completing very specific tasks, but really everything is internal. So you're able to handle everything as though it were, think of it as an extension of a computer. It's a full functioning tablet. The Braille displays uh, that we offer are meant to be exactly that as Braille displays. So to function as Braille terminals for your your screen readers, such as JAWS or NVDA or VoiceOver, but they're also meant to have intelligence. And that is where, as Judy said, right, we, we bring in the editor to work with mainstream file types. There is also Wi-Fi on the devices so that we're able to connect to online libraries, such as Bookshare, NFB Newsline, NLS Bard. And, and it really is meant for that person who does not need all the functionality of a note taker wants to have a very braille centric environment but is going to be doing all of the heavy lifting on a smartphone on a computer we we absolutely want to make that a possibility and we know that many of our users don't need all those bells and whistles so from the braille display side of things with the brilliant bix series line that we have it's really meant for that middle of the road type of piece with the advent of some smart or intelligent features and you know, we, we do also have pre-Braille products. So those who are learning Braille, we, we do do things like mount battens and whatnot. So we have lower sort of products meant more for a Braille learner. We also still have a very simple sort of Braille display in the Brilliant 14. But at the most basic level at that 30,000 foot overview, that's kind of, of, of where we sit um, with our current offerings on the Braille side. Okay. Now I know that, uh, that you produced the Mantis as well. And, and I yes. know APH, we, we invited them and Greg decided to go on vacation. I don't you blame him because, you know, <laughs> it, that's quite all right. Because honestly, vacation sounds just amazingly great right now to me. So I don't blame, I don't blame him one bit so. at all. Um, <laughs> well, yes, we do do the Mantis. And yeah. And I have a couple of questions about that, but what, can you describe that a little bit and how that dif- differentiates? Because I think there's some, there's some confusion in the market place right now around why some features are in the Mantis versus, you know, your product and why they can't sure. co-mingle since you both developed it. And, right. you so, know, wh- so why Mantis is that? Is a product that was developed by 
humanware, but the product itself is an American printing house product. They are the responsible for the request for product. They put that product on quota funds, which is a very different set of instructions. And we can get into those kind of what that means. When a product is on quota, it does have to have unique features for it to be eligible for quota. Now, what the product is, that it's a, it's a full QWERTY keyboard. So think of a full laptop size sort of QWERTY keyboard. There is no number pad, but there are function keys. There is your you know control, alt, windows, um, modifiers, as well as a function sort of um, you know key on there as well. You have your full QWERTY keyboard, your up and down arrows. And on the bottom, across the bottom of that, there is a 40 cell braille display with cursor routing buttons. So you do have an all-in-one approach toward QWERTY Bluetooth access with Braille output. And the reason why we did this product and APH kind of, you know, put out that request years ago is that we need to be promoting the use of QWERTY keyboards, the use of typing skills, and it will go hand in hand with computer usage, which we know is certainly something that is a struggle for many. I do encounter many kiddos who don't have necessarily the greatest computer skills or typing skills by certain points where we know that they're critical for success. We need to be able to use screen readers. There is a, a, a place and time for everything, and I will never, ever discount that we need to be using these things. I'm totally blind. I've been a JAWS user for my whole life. I use NVDA. I use screen readers um, you know, on my, on my computer all the time, in addition to other tools. But it certainly is a unique product that has been very well received, but is, uh, is the first of its kind in quite some time, and it does have some of that intelligence as well. So it can connect to Bookshare. It can connect to NFB Newsline. But there are some pieces it does not have, such as audio, which the BIX series might have, and, and we can dive into those <laughs> sort of subtle differences. But it is something that comes down to when APH puts out a request, there are specific needs that have been identified primarily in the education market that make those products eligible for quota funds. And it's up to the manufacturers to kind of go and, and build those products for them. All right. So thank you, Peter. Uh, appreciate all of that. And we'll come back to you and, and we'll talk about differentiating in reference to just the types of users who are intended for each type of product. And I have some questions around Android and that type of thing too. So we'll get there. All right, Thomas, you're up next. All right. Thank you very much. Um, so Peter covered uh, quite a, a, he covered it pretty comprehensively um, about the spectrum of products uh, in terms of what's typically offered with Braille. Um, for us in particular, uh, we have a new uh, Braille note taker. That's the Braille Sense 6. And that was a continuation of the Braille Sense Polaris and the Braille Sense U2. We still offer the Polaris Polaris Mini and the full U2 line of note takers. And this is actually an excellent platform to discuss why exactly we still offer the U2 as uh, a note taker that somebody can purchase today. When it comes to Braille displays, right now we have to offer the QBraille XL, and it would be what I would consider a smart Braille display. It does have some of those onboard applications, uh, such as a scratch pad and alarm clock and such, that some of these Braille displays are gaining. Um, one of the things that makes the QBraille XL very unique is the keyboard configuration. And I'm sure that we could discuss that a little bit further in, in depth uh, later on. But what that means is that there's a particular set of users that find this particular Braille display 
very valuable for them in their day-to-day lives and especially at work. But the CubeRail XL, it is primarily used as a Braille display to connect with your smart device or your computer and is to be used with a screen reader of your choice. Okay, very good. All right. So, Judy or anyone on the panel, do do we have any questions before we want to go on to the next? I have a a quick question for Thomas. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, do you offer, you don't offer the Beetle anymore, correct? That's correct. Yes. And do you still offer the Braille Edge? No, the Braille Edge we do not offer okay. uh, anymore as well. Yeah. Both of those products were unfortunately hit by supply chain issues. So, so the quote lowest level device that you have would be in terms of uh braille as as far as braille displays go we offer the cube rail xl in terms of note takers um i would say the u2 mini okay the cube rail xl is a quite a unique device it's it has a braille keyboard and i think when when someone's trying to make a decision about you know what display do i get what kind of a keyboard it has and and what functionality it's going to give you with that keyboard, I think is a really critical factor. Some people strongly prefer QWERTY keyboards and the Mantis is very cool in that regard. And then some people really like Braille keyboards, but they also may need to have or want to have control keys and alt keys and windows keys and be able to do a, I want to see somebody do the control alt Z or something on that Braille, but uh, anyway, it's a Braille keyboard with function keys and alt and control and all of that also on that keyboard. So it's a it it has a unique place in the whole landscape of of Braille displays. Yeah, it absolutely does. And what we did was we tried to keep the configuration of the keys the same as what you would find on a laptop keyboard. We just simply replaced the letters and numbers with Perkins keys. Yeah, I find this really, really interesting. I, I, I think, and this is a great place to kick this conversation off. And Judy, you're right. I think this, you know, when when consumers think about how they want to interact with their device, I think that is probably uh, well, well, Braille, of course, first, right? In other words, the 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 crispness of the the crispness of the Braille, that kind of a thing. But really, the interaction experience is so vitally important. And I think if you are a if you're a person that has typed on a Perkins for the majority of your life and and, and you love that style, then that's the the type of device that you want to look at. If you sit in front of a, a desktop computer and you type all day on a QWERTY keyboard, then that may or may not be the right device for you too. So yeah, that that's that's really really important. Thomas, how have users taken to? How have you found the reception? Just on this angle alone, do you think that the, the Q-Braille hits that spot for users that, that want sort of that uh, sweet spot between Perkins and, you know, a Windows-type keyboard device? Yeah, so um, what I found is that people who really like the Q-Braille XL are people who really want to be, I, I would say, very productive in whatever it is that they're doing. There's also a lot of ergonomic factors that go into it, um, but... For, I would say, the vast majority of people, a lot of it comes down to convenience between moving from your Braille display to your keyboard and back. Um, To be honest, a lot of people don't know the full complement of screen reader commands uh, with with the Perkins display, right? So there are certain ones that uh, everybody knows, right? Um, but when, with the Cubrail XL, the real benefit is that you don't have to remember all of those 
key commands that are provided by the screen reader. For example, if you wanted to write in a Microsoft Word document and you wanted to bold something, you can hit the control B, hit those together because there is a control button. Um, so if you wanted to uh, close an application, you've got Alt F4. If you wanted to refresh your browser without cookies, you could press Control F5 or just F5 to refresh your browser alone. So there's a full host of Windows and Office and Mac commands that make the QBraille XL very valuable to people, especially people who don't want to go from the Braille display to the keyboard and back. Yeah, absolutely. And what about you, Peter? How have you seen this specific area in reference to differentiation for the different types of displays that you have? Totally. And, and, and I would agree with Thomas. I mean, the, the acrobatics at times of trying to emulate keyboard commands from a Perkins style keyboard solely can certainly leave you dizzy, right? If you need to push, um, let's say I want to do an Alt F4, I would push space dot two dot four dot eight followed by D. You know, you really have to remember those things. Um, and you have, yeah, it's a great thing to consider because a product like, you know, like, like the Q Braille allows you to just push Alt F4 instead of, of remembering the acrobatics. I will say though, when, when it comes to something, you know, with, with what we're doing, you are able to certainly emulate all of your modifiers on a product like the BI 20 or 40X. It's all there. We do have a lot of deaf blind users who prefer doing it that way. Um, we have a lot of power users who, who don't mind those sorts of um, layered commands, if you will, on the Braille display. But one piece that does definitely du- you know, directly addresses that would be so- using something like a Mantis, where you truly are hitting you know, Control-T um, to, to open a new tab, or you know, you're, you're actually doing the commands themselves because it is a full keyboard. You're not memorizing or needing to um, use any sort of specific uh, Braille acrobatics or kind of even hit the Braille letters. And a lot of times it helps develop our QWERTY typing skills, which we know are so important. APH is very much in that space with what they do with, with you know, talking typer over the years and um, typer online and some other programs they have now. And there are lots of, of programs out there that encourage that. And we know many users, and I'm one of, I am definitely one of those users who grew up very much on Perkins. I mean, I've used Braille displays since, since the, the Braille light in terms of working with computers, but you know, I, I worked on Perkins, but I absolutely have gravitated over the years toward QWERTY usage. I u- always use a Braille display, but uh, I certainly would go back and forth and kind of read my Braille output when I need to input a command. I certainly do a few things from the Braille keyboard itself, but mostly I'm driving it from the QWERTY keyboard. So a product like the Mantis perfectly fits into what I do because I can close my laptop lid. I can be sitting on my couch, driving my computer with full native QWERTY keyboard commands that I know, and it helps tremendously. And then I have that Braille output there as well, because I'm just very comfortable with QWERTY typing. And I can still fly in Braille. I mean, I certainly take notes in Braille, but it's really nice to have that opportunity. You know, and and, and this is something you really want to consider. And and I, I know it's so hard virtually because you can't get your hands on these devices. And that's a, it's a bummer. You can't walk from Thomas's table to my table to some other table and, and just feel things and say, gosh, this, this works. But it is, it, it's nice to think about because we will all be in person again. We will see you next year um, or, you know, wherever we may be at various shows, various places. And you will, you will have these things to think about and consider and it plays a major role. So we're, it's neat to see these innovations and uh, the manufacturers being creative with how we're creating Braille products. Yeah, very interesting. Now, now Larry and John, you have an L Braille, right? 
So the Elpriel is interesting in that, you know, it, it's got, uh, I believe, a Perkins-style keyboard uh, on it, right? It's uh, essentially a focus braille display. Yeah, it's a focus braille a display dock. with a dock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that the interesting thing, and I only bring this up, is is because um, there's been some third-party market utilities like Lisi that have added functionality into their product, you know, Brian Hargen's product. Functionality yeah, into to, JAWS. Yeah, to provide functionality to simulate or to be able to type in English what the commands are so that you don't have to remember, you know, these weird corded commands to be able to issue, you know. Something too, I mean, for anybody out there, I mean, we all, I've been a JAWS user and, and I use NVDA and all this for many, many years. There yeah. are still daily things I learn. Even oh, as a, it's, it's amazing, is, right? Oh, you know, we all. We, we learn so many commands and keystrokes, and whether it's a change of operating system or just because you don't know how to do something, always ask. Always know f- that we don't all know everything. As much as I use or anyone on this panel uses technology, we're all learning every single day. So and we forget them just as fast. All the time. Or we learn a command and we're like, wow, that's a really neat command. And then we forget, you know, we forget it one a week in, later. One out. So. <laughs> So it, it's something also to don't let that intimidate you. And, and I meet a lot of individuals who are intimidated by the computer or intimidated by voiceover, intimidated by a new operating system or a new display. And and I think if you look at what Hims has created, if you look at what we're doing at Humanware, if you look at the resources, we want to help our, our, our users learn. And there's so many other resources out there. So if it, it, I just I feel terrible when somebody comes. I have an email sitting in my inbox from somebody who's saying, please help. And they have multiple Braille displays and don't know how to use them. And that's that's a bummer. So, you know, we, we want, um, and I know it's kind of off topic, but don't let that intimidate you when you're making these decisions. Think about your preferences and then also know that it is going to be a learning experience and you're always going to learn moving forward with any of these devices. I think you're so right. And it's so important for people to, one of the pieces of advice I give people, because I'm asked all the time, you know, what should I get? And I try not to ever say, oh, get that one. Because I think for everybody, it is such a personal decision about what to get. But one of the things I tell people is think about on a Saturday, it's Saturday night at nine o'clock. Who can you call for help and uh, get what they've got? Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, And I think we... We oftentimes, I love what, what you're saying there because I, we, we all work in a lot of rehabilitation environments where, you know, we do see choices being made and, and assessments and all sorts of things. And your needs are never going to be exactly the same as your friend. Um, and, and I think it's really, that's why it, it's always nice to have an in-person convention or somewhere where you can actually get all of us in the same room or on the same panel because we, we do have different things to offer. But I'll also say that not none of us here, and I know I, I can speak for Thomas, I mean, if if the product isn't right for you, I don't want you to get my product. I, I do not want you to have a Braille Note Touch Plus when it won't, you don't need all that stuff. I want you to have the right product for you. And, and I think, and I, I say that as a blind person, as much as somebody who works for a vendor, of course, I deep down would love for you to buy the product because it's ours. But we, we need to be able to push you to the product or guide you, not push you. We're not pushing anybody. We're guiding you to the product that's going to be best for you. It's really important because otherwise it becomes a detractor from you being able to successfully use it. You're just frustrated. You should never, ever own a product and be frustrated by it uh, because you can't use it. It's one thing if it doesn't have a feature. It's another thing if you're frustrated because you don't know how to operate that product. So we, we need to always keep that in mind. Absolutely. Okay, let's turn now to the, the you know, uh, smart Braille display versus note taker. In other words, what where do you guys see 
And we'll start with you, Peter, in just a second. And we'd love to get Judy's opinion on this too. And anyone else on the panel. Where do you see the differentiation here in reference to, you know, if I'm a consumer, what type of things should I be thinking about when I think about, you know, the the type of device I want, uh, regardless of its keyboard, regardless of, of the firmness of the Braille, you know, the, the, they're all going to have that type of stuff, right? So what, what do you think about when you, when you think of these characteristics? Um, we'll start with you, Peter. So I, I always ask one of my first questions besides what are you going to use it for <laughs> is how comfortable are you or what is your comfort level with screen reader usage? Are you a comfortable computer or iPhone user? Because primarily that's what you will be, will make the decision almost for you. If you're a comfortable screen reader user, it tells me in general that you're comfortable with mainstream products and that you are going to be using native, you know, third party, just regular applications out there to take care of tasks. So you are going to have the comfort with that. And the Braille display would be a more fitting option. And you, you, you know, you're, you're not needing all of the bells and whistles of the true note taker. And there are always exceptions. If you're not as comfortable with, because, you know, in, in the screen reader drives Braille support. And this is something that always is, is kind of very tough for certain, certain people to understand because they'll come and say, well, I have a Brilliant or I have a Qbrill or I have something. And how do I do A, B, and C with JAWS? And I'll say, well, yes, you're right. The Braille display is being used, but JAWS determines the Braille output. The same is true with voiceover. No matter what Braille display you use, the commands are all the same. You could use a Focus. You could use a, a Vario Ultra if you still have one, or or a Brilliant. So your comfort with voiceover determines how well you're going to use the Braille display with voiceover because you're essentially just taking those gestures and and they're all mapped to Braille commands. So again, if you're not comfortable with that, but you want to be able to email, you want to be able to browse the web, you want to be, you're going to be creating documents and, you know, maybe you're going to dabble with the Braille display because the Braille note takers certainly work as Braille displays as well with mainstream screen, with the, you know, regular screen readers and mainstream operating systems. But if, if you need that productivity or if you're on the go a lot and you need to be doing things um, kind of in that Braille first way without speech, then you would be looking at more of a note taker type of product because it brings in all of the functionality of a tablet or of a computer. The other piece I will say with the note taker is, are you going to be needing to create math or science or are you going to be in those environments? Are you in a connected classroom environment or a connected workplace environment where you need quick access to cloud-based storage or quick access to learning management systems like Google Classroom or something like Canvas or Schoology? And this is true for, for the note taker, regardless of, of which one you choose. That will also influence or flavor that decision, certainly. And there are always exceptions, always exceptions. But I, I do and you know come back to this quite often. And it, it usually is that the first one, two, or three questions when I'm having a conversation with an end user, it's pretty clear generally to say this product is a better fit for you based on what your kind of skill set is. Okay. Thomas, what about you? Yeah. Um, man, I hate going after Peter. He's so good at this. Uh, <laughs> Dude, you're up next first, man. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll drink my tea. You can, you can take the lead. <laughs> oh, thanks. So actually Peter put it pretty well. Um, the first thing I always start with when I'm talking to somebody is what is your goal or what is it that you're trying to accomplish? Because there are definitely times where I meet somebody who is investigating a device and, because of the use case that they're going for, they may not actually end up with the device that they really want. 
right? Sometimes it doesn't come down to personal preference or sometimes it doesn't come down to certain aspects, right? A very good example is somebody who says, I'm really interested in a note taker, right? But they're looking to get a Braille device to go to a job where they're going to be using JAWS with scripting and all that sort of stuff to access some, you know, some database or some software that is not uh, inherently accessible right off the bat, right? And so a lot of times coming in and saying, hey, I want this note taker. Well, if it's for a particular job, right, then you need to consider what is it that you're actually trying to accomplish because there's a real difference between wants and needs. And if you let the wants take over and you make a choice based off that and you ignore the needs, that's when you're going to end up being pretty frustrated and want to return the device right away. That happens. Unfortunately, that happens quite a bit. One of the other things that I always ask people, um, what are the major pain points with your current equipment? A lot of times somebody will be moving from a device to another device, right? So uh, let's say somebody's moving from the U2 note taker to the Braille Sense 6 or an Apex to a Touch Plus, right? So what is it that is wrong with your current device that makes you want to move to another one? And if the pain points are resolved by moving to another product, then yeah, that's a, an appropriate use of your time and effort to evaluate that product um, and put up you know, your hard-earned dollars. Uh, so those are some of the things that you need to consider as well. Once you find a good fit, if you find a particular category of device that you really are interested in, that's when I start focusing on features. I have found just in general, students in education from grade three to about 10 do very well with note takers, right? Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. So let's say you, you've identified that a note taker is the proper device for you. Okay, look at the existing note takers that are available and identify what features are going to make you better at learning or what features are going to help you get through school, right? And this is kind of the way that I think about it is, you know, what's the goal? What are the pain points? Um, what existing technology do you have? And then what features are going to be most important for you to accomplish that goal? Excellent. Okay. Judy, do you have anything to add here? Yeah, I, I just wanted to come back to, I think, I think thinking about the needs and the wants are, are really important, but they have to be balanced. It doesn't, I don't think either side, you can't say you, you have to only think about the needs and forget about the wants because you could end up with a device that, that meets your needs, but there's something physically about it that you just don't like and you'll end up being a very unhappy person. So if you, I mean, they're both right. A lot of people don't have the opportunity to choose their own device, but if you have an opportunity to choose or to at least influence the decision, then you can make these points about, you know, um, I really like some keys. I, I want keys in the front of my device because I like using my thumbs or some people are not some people. I, I, I mean, I, I think that some people prefer having controls on the top of their device. And if you know that about yourself before you make your device selection, that will be very helpful. Excellent points. Thank you, Judy. I want to talk a little bit about file uh, support, meaning that the types of file formats that you guys support. And uh, I, I think I think everyone here on the panel supports. Uh, well, I should I should just ask: Does everyone support Word and RTF file formats, and of course BRF, right, Peter? We certainly do. Uh, yeah. Yes. yeah, 
Okay. How could they, how could they not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just want, I'm just, I, I, well, right. Okay. So now here comes the tricky part, right? So when we think about people who are wanting to use these devices in productivity situations or at work, they need to be able to access other file formats, such as things like Excel documents or PowerPoint de- decks, especially if you're having to give a presentation. What is the current state of both Excel and PowerPoint file formats for both of your products? Uh, let's see. Uh, Thomas. Thomas. Fire away, man. Sure. So obviously it depends on the product. So when we're talking about the QRail XL, obviously there's nothing on board that's yep. really going to allow you to you know, do much with Excel. Exactly. Uh, when you're talking about the note takers... In terms of the Braille Sense 6, uh, we can support, obviously, all the, the Word file types. In terms of Excel, uh, we have an Excel viewer, so you'll be able to actually read the Excel file. You're not able to actually edit or create one. Uh, in terms of PowerPoint, you can open up a PowerPoint, an existing PowerPoint, on the Braille Sense 6, and you can present it, and you can edit the PowerPoint as well. Uh, but you cannot create one natively from within the Braille Sense 6. Okay. Um, so a good use case for that is if somebody sends you a PowerPoint and they want you to review it and make changes, absolutely you can do that on the Braille Sense 6. Okay. If you want to start one from scratch, you're going to want to do that with a PC. Yeah. Okay. And then what about Markdown? Do you guys support Markdown natively? That I don't know, actually. Okay. I think that's, so. Yeah. I, 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 I'm expecting that to be a no, but it's, it's interesting because yeah. there's lots of people who are beginning to use, utilize that format. So it's just interesting. Okay, Peter, how about you? So it, it's exactly uh, going to be very parallel um, and to, to what Thomas said, with, with a couple of exceptions, and that is we, you know, natively, so on board at this point in time, so we do not have a, a, an Excel or a PowerPoint viewer. Um, doesn't mean you can't work with those files but we don't have our own solution for doing it in a braille centric way. You would be using third party apps, which you can do very successfully. Um, you can, I mean, I've, I've worked with many a teacher and student on creating Google slides presentations or consuming them or, or presenting. Um, but we do support your main sort of file formats on some, you know, and again, I'm talking about the, the note taker here, um, something like PDF or DOC, DOCX, BRF, BRL, all of those for, for reading for consuming, for opening, as well as for creation. When it comes to the Braille, the Brailleant side, the Braille display side, we do support the reading of files in their native sort of format. So you can open a text PDF or, or TXT or HTML, DOCX, DOC, DAISY, RTF, all of those. Um, when it comes to editing on a product like the Brailleant Braille displays, anytime you want to edit, if you open those files in the editor, they will be saved as TXT. So the markdown piece is, is neat that you bring it up because I know, I think Jonathan Mosen just opened the doors, right? Everyone's like, we know markdown or what it is. And that's, and it's fantastic. And I've used markdown in the past. We can certainly create markdown content, right? Because it's simply, we're working in TXT in the editor. So you can definitely create the, the markdown, but no, we, at this point in time, we do not support it when you open, you know, files and, and kind of identifying those attributes and things absolutely on our radar, uh, but not, not kind of there at this point in time, but it's, it's come up even during ACB um, at the booth. So definitely something we're, we're looking at, but cool. the, the, mainstream sort of file types when it comes to a lot of those pieces you're still going to need to balance your kind of uh, uh, abilities with the mainstream applications are you good with excel you know are you good with powerpoint how are you going to be creating and that's what i talk to folks a lot about 
Because a lot of times you'll buy a product and you'll say, well, I, want, I just want to use this in Google Docs. And I'll say, well, that's a, you can do it. It's never, the answer is never a solid no, but it's not going to be as, as reliable as using you know, a Chromebook <laughs> or using uh, NVDA with, with a Braille display. So it, it is something always to very much uh, going to be the, dependent on the user's sort of ability there for sure. Okay, great. Cool. Well, before we open this up to questions, I wanted to look a little bit ahead into the future on where we think things are heading. Uh, I, I think of things like science and math and, and just, or just overall, where do you feel the industry is heading when people are looking at these types of devices and what the future might hold, you know, say, I don't know, two to three years down the road, what, what, and I'm not expecting people to make announcements here. I'm just, just sort of wondering what you think might be um, interesting to at least for people to think about if you were to give some vision to um, what the future may hold in the area of Braille. Uh, and then we're going to open it up for questions. Uh, Thomas, why don't we start with you? If we're talking about STEM specifically, what I believe will be important is how multi-line displays really fit into the picture. Um, for me, that would be, obviously that it provides a, a ton of additional benefit outside of, of like STEM and, and stuff like that. But yeah, multi-line, if it could be done well, uh, if there is a lot of supporting software uh, applications, training materials, that would be where I see the biggest changes coming from. If we're considering the existing hardware, what you're really going to expect are advancements in software. One of the nice things about the Braille Sense 6 and the Touch Plus is that they're both running Android operating ex, uh, operating systems, which means that by virtue, they're extensible. You could add additional capabilities to it with the addition of applications. So with the existing hardware, the development of very good software, that's where it's at for the next two years, considering the existing hardware. But multi-line, that opens up a, a whole whole new world. All right. Thank you. And Peter? So I, I, I definitely, uh, you know, it, it will second kind of where, where Thomas was going in that the software side, I think on my, you know, the, the consumption of uh, some of these, some of math and science. So for instance, the, the way the Polaris, the way the Hims products handle bringing math in is wonderful. Well, we don't, we don't handle it like that. They do a great job of that. And I think it, it will expand on uh, going forward the consumption of math and science products created by mainstream, whether it's mainstream programs through learning management systems or by regular ed teachers or professors or, you know, the way we can, we can share content and not so much the content creation side. When I want to create visual math, it's very easy to do. And, and we've, we've gotten there. The consumption side, I think that will open up um, on all across devices. We've seen some strides with what freedom has done. Uh, Vispero has done with jaws. Uh, we've seen some great STEM stuff there. We're going to continue to see that with our products, with HIMS, with all these Braille products bringing in content. So I would, I would first, firstly think from a software side, that would be a major improvement over the next couple of years. And then the second piece absolutely is how we will handle true multi-line Braille and what will it look like? And certainly, you know, the, the, the elephant in the room is, is that we made an announcement with APH a couple of weeks ago. We're equal partners in a project, but True multi-line Braille is going to be very important. It's going to be the future. We know that there are multiple displays about to 
come and I, I say about to they're they're not coming next week but they are certainly in the pipeline from you know braille manufacturers and we're going to see how that's a received and b implemented because there will be various footprints just like we have 20 cell and 40 cell and 14 cell and 32 cell and 80 cell displays today what those form factors look like will be important i think ultimately in my opinion where it will end up is at some point taking my dream would be to have a modular approach um, what if we were able to, to to choose our braille display size based on the the day the month the week that we wanted for that for that instance and i think that's where andrew flatchers who's our, our braille product manager and i that's our ultimate kind of vision is is ways of doing things like that and and it it will take time it will take lots of you know learning and growing pains on these certain devices as they start to come but what if we had a modular kind of approach to a lot of this technology uh, would be really neat. So I think we will see advancements there. I don't think that's two years away, but I think that that is the ultimate goal of of all of us. And for anybody who reads Braille, reads Braille would be a, a great thing. Awesome. Thanks, guys, very, very much. Okay, we have about 10 minutes for questions. Our first person is Janet. Judy, thank you for your book on audio description again, and thank you all for your excellent, beautifully explained everything. But Peter, I have... So many things from humanware. I'm at the QWERTY keyboard. I have the Braille keyboard. I have three generations, Victor readers and two regular ones and a Trek. But I cannot explain how I know everybody here loves all of your equipment. It just goes without saying. But is there ever any idea that the Victor readers could actually file? I have thousands of notes on different SD cards, but some way of filing any of all of these notes? I don't know how I didn't get the survey because I would love to have the survey. It's, a, it's, a, it's an awesome question. And I'm sure you've heard myself talk about this. Being able to append notes and being able to organize notes is something that's been on the top of our priority list for quite some time. Uh-huh. Um, getting the dedicated resources to, to dive into that has not happened. I absolutely believe that will happen. Um, oh, I don't know okay. what iteration it will take. I don't know if it'd be on a current product. I don't know, but I know that, that this has been asked for, and it's certainly something we want to look at. And I know it's not on the topic of Braille, but we certainly heard a lot of feedback from the survey. So very much appreciate everyone's feedback who took the survey, and it will help determine what we do going forward. Yeah. Let's try to keep the topics on Braille. I, you know what? I'm sorry. I, That's okay. That's all right. I did That's have right. one, but, but that came up first, so I'm just going to go to someone else. And, and I'll get Not a problem. Thank you. Next is my name is Maggie, and I want. I'm very grateful for uh, a presentation that I needed to start to make a self-assessment. I'm going to give you my very basic question. I started out with when I started listening. I think I can answer it myself now. Sort of. I probably need to be talking to you guys one to one. But here was my very basic question. I lost my vision in midlife, but I did pretty well with computers. But um, I'm behind now. I, I was using XP, but um, I recently I took a Spanish class online, and the problem I was having was I wanted um, a way to get a Braille Spanish English dictionary that wouldn't be like 27 volumes. Now this is a really basic question, so um, I don't want to take up too much of your guys' time, but that's my authentic question anyway. So I, I'd love for you, uh, if possible, uh, to come come by the Humanware booth or or stop by Hems. Come 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 talk to. It's a very individualized sort of question. Um, yes, I, it is. I want uh-huh. to be able to to guide you to some resources. Uh-huh. I would certainly suggest, and I've never done this because I get this quite a bit, but I haven't looked on Bookshare. There may be 
those sorts of pieces that you would be able to access on a Braille display? Because yes, you're not going to put 27 volumes of Braille on your bookshelf. But that'd be my thought. We do support certainly on the Braille note, on the Brilliant products, multiple language profiles. You can work reading and writing, so consuming and and reading and you know creation in Spanish, and certainly localizations as well uh, on the units. But that sort of piece to acquire that type of uh, dictionary that could work with a Braille display is something we can we can look into. And if you're a okay. smartphone user, you. there's loads of apps. Yes, lots of apps on the smartphone that would be compatible with the Braille display. Yes. Yeah, and if you're uh, interested in a note taker from the HIMSS side of things, go talk to our booth. We do have uh, the free dictionary and thesaurus multiple language support on there as well. We do support uh, language profiles as well. Yep. All right. Next, we have Larry Lumpkin. Hi, how are you? This isn't quite a Braille question, but it's uh, one I've been framing for days. My wife is a very proficient typist. She was a typist for many years. She's accurate and fast on, on QWERTY. Uh, we, she used a type and speak for years to take notes, found it very efficient. Uh, we're trying to save on the economy, you know, just trying to economize with not having to have a braille display all the time. Uh, we've been looking for a, a device that, uh, might be a refresh of something like the old type and speak, a speech, uh, a speech-only QWERTY note-taker, and I'll leave it at that. Thanks. So I'll, I'll let you comment, uh, Thomas. You know, we, we, we just have not seen I, – I know that there are still some, some hardcore voice note types of users out there, but with the prevalence of tablets, we just have not seen that need expressed on any sort of level that would, that would be worth the, the kind of the investment on our side to build that type of product. The – you know, I would suggest you know with the advent of smartphones and using using a Bluetooth keyboard with a with a voiceover with a smartphone is a wonderful solution. And there are so many keyboard shortcuts you could use. So I don't know on our end. I don't think that's something we would see. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I I don't think that's something we would see from humanware at this point. Yeah, from the him side, we've considered it. Um, we do get that request pretty frequently, um, but I do not know if that's in the in the development phase. Uh, right now or will be in the future. That's a tough one. I think mainstream technology is going to get you there a whole lot faster than Hims will be able to develop a product. Next, we have Annie Davis. I have some very uh, personalized questions as well, so I would love to um, get in one-to-one contact. I have actually been a Hims note-taker user for years, and I've I've heard a lot of people say that they don't use note takers, but they primarily use a Braille display when they want to read in Braille. And I know, um, so I just want to clarify what I thought I heard you both say. So like the, something in line with what I would need would probably be something like the Mantis or the uh, Q, uh, the Q Braille. Um, are you saying that either of these products, like you would just, you would set it up hook it up to your computer and you could basically perform the basic JAWS commands running the Braille display. Like say if I were going to check my email and read a voiceover script without having to flip flop from the QWERTY, you know, from the yes. Perkins commands to the computer, I, I would just be able to do all that. On it would be a one-stop shop. Yes. It would be a preference of if you wanted Braille input or QWERTY input, but yes, it would, it would, Certainly, you you would be able to input, you know, any of those commands natively uh, right from the device, whether it was a Q Braille or or a Mantis, and you would be able to get that output. 
and you know control s would be control s either <laughs> s in braille or if you wanted the s on the qwerty keyboard that would be the what would determine which product was best for you um and so it oh i'm just i kind of forgot my question i lost my train of thought but i i would love to get in touch come by either either booth we we have booth hours uh human warehouse booth hours monday through friday um of this week so certainly come check us out i'm i'm not i'm and thomas i'm sure you guys are there yeah, um, our booth hours are one to five central during the weekdays and two to four central during the weekend. Next, we have Margaret Gaffney. Good afternoon, everyone. Hello. Um, I am an adaptive technology specialist for the state of Massachusetts. I love the Mantis. Um, when you presented it last week, I purchased one myself for my use and We've also been able to get it in the hands of uh, some of our the students, and I see a lot of children getting out of you know, or youngsters getting out of college and being in high school that just don't have the keyboarding skills. And I don't know whether the TVIs just don't have the time. The keyboarding doesn't seem to be of the emphasis, but they love the note takers from the students, especially your elementary, junior high, early high school. Is there any thought to bringing back say there used to be a braille note with a uh, QWERTY keyboard any thoughts of bringing something like that to make take the mantis to the next step of also having a, um, a note taker type device with a QWERTY keyboard sure so I know yeah we, we both offered QT versions of, of note takers in the past mm-hmm. both hymns and humanware and, and others as well and at this point in time, humanware does not. Uh, I don't, you know, it, it's something we've gotten a request for. But it, again, when when we, you know, it, it's something that has been broached. It's certainly in our wheelhouse. When we look at the time uh, that goes into that, it's something that's not been done. I will also say, I mean, I and I'm sure Thomas gets this as well. We have a lot of individuals who who kind of point the finger at us as a vendor and say that people don't know how to type because of our products. <laughs> and I grew up using a note taker and I certainly grew up learning how to type. And thanks to my TVIs and, and those who taught me, they, they really stressed the importance of learning how to type. And I hear those arguments and I'm sympathetic to them because I understand that a kiddo prefers to use a device they prefer. But I do think the we, we need to be stressing the importance of multiple tools in our toolbox. And just because we use a note taker has, should have zero bearing on us not learning how to QWERTY keyboard by third or fourth grade and use the computer. If we are at the right, that, you know, the cognitive level to do so, it's super important. It's beyond important. And so, you know, um, I, I hear the argument and, and I know it, it kind of, they'll say, well, the note taker is why. Um, and that's not the case. It certainly is just an awareness and encouraging our parents, encouraging people in IPs to be pushing for QWERTY keyboarding. With that being said, I don't know if it's something we would do on the note taker side. I, I certainly have heard the request. We have even visited with certain states and asked if it was something that they that there would be commitments on and everyone just kind of then got cold feet. So it uh, definitely did not uh, get to where, where it maybe could have gotten a few years ago, but it's certainly something we I will continue to, to, to reverberate up to our product management team. And actually, if you don't mind me jumping in, this is one of the main reasons why we kept the U2 QWERTY is to continue to offer a note taker like device with a QWERTY keyboard. We know that the product is a little bit older and a little bit outdated, but people who want basic note taker functionality with a QWERTY keyboard, that is why we still offer it. 
with the Braille Sense 6, it does support keyboard as a, like a, a QWERTY keyboard as a peripheral. Um, so, for example, if you wanted to teach touch typing, you could take, you know, a Logitech keyboard, plug it in with USB or Bluetooth and use that within the word processor or notepad. So we kind of approach it that way. But just as Peter had mentioned, a full QWERTY note taker at this time, um, the market doesn't seem to want to bear it. And and, I, and that could change. I mean, depending on just, again, how we, we receive yeah. feedback and stuff. And we too, yeah, we, we do support Bluetooth and USB keyboards on the note taker. So you, and all the commands are mapped as well. So you, you can you can use one. No one's stopping you. You can use a, a Bluetooth keyboard with the Touch Plus or, or, or with the Braille Sense 6, it sounds like. So, I mean, it, it is there. And I would strongly encourage everyone to push for good keyboarding skills across the board because we all need them. <laughs> Next, we have Deborah Armstrong. Hi there. Um, I'm curious what your panelists think of this. Um, one of my pain points with modern Braille displays is that they are too buttoniferous. And I was at an offside training, and I'm a technology expert, and yet the people at this training were so excited. They said, we have a Braille display for you. And they gave me the big purple Alva with thousands of buttons, it felt like. And it was a three-hour training. I was going to be there with that Alva for three hours, and that was it. I was never going to see it again. Have you all considered manufacturing a Braille display that has four buttons, up, down, right, and left, for computer labs and other situations where the person does not own the device and will only have a limited time to master it? So I... I, I could start. I mean, I, I would think that a product like the, the BI-80 or something that does not have Braille input keys um, is certainly perfect for those scenarios. I mean, there are no Braille input keys at all. Uh, also, a product like the Brilliant BI-20X does not have any any modifiers, nothing. There are no command keys. It's just the Braille keyboard and the space bar, and then there are thumb keys for scrolling. So, you know, and, and yes, there certainly can be some clutter, but that's kind of our approach. So if you do get a BI-40X or a Mantis, you're going to have modifiers, command keys, various things. Uh, something like a BI-20X would just be the Braille keyboard. And then something like a B80, which, of course, is going to run you a pretty penny, but it's going to be perfect for that computer lab's very stationary setting where you just need Braille output and there are zero Braille input keys. To add to that, my boss will kill me, but HandyTech makes a product uh, very much like what you're talking about. It's called the Basic Braille. Thank you. Thank you. Let's move on. Next. I just want to say I, I love this because, again, Thomas and I are here. We don't play the... I have this, you have that. I mean, we're not here as that. I mean, and that's the goal of this panel. So those questions are great. And I certainly, uh, you know, I, I, we all use lots of products. We're all in this stuff together. So it's, uh, it's, you know, we appreciate the questions. Absolutely. Next, we'll go to Kevin. This should be about the last question too. Thank you. Um, appreciate you guys putting on this great panel. Um, awesome way to learn kind of the whole landscape of Braille. The question, I think, more for Peter, I believe um, the Brilliant BI-20X and the Chameleon by APH are pretty similar. I was I'm interested in getting one of them more as a portable browser play. I have the APH Mantis Q40 and um, just kind of, um, I know there's sort of mentions more features in the Brilliant BI-20X, like the PDF and the exam mode and couple other things but i believe the mantis also has those so i'm a bit uh, unclear as to what uh, the difference is so i'll keep it real short i know we're running out of time when we put a product to so the chameleon is roughly yes going to be very similar to a, a bi20x when a product is on quota funds as the chameleon is it has to have differentiators 
Right now, the differentiator is that it cannot access the bar to Braille catalog, and it will deviate as we go forward. There will be some pieces that the BI-20X has that the Chameleon does not, and that will certainly happen and vice versa. So I, you know, I, I can't speak to what they are because I am not an APH representative, and that is their product. We do make it. We have to follow their rules, follow their specs. That is a quota product. It's also available off quota funds. But uh, it, there will be differentiators. Right now, the broad Braille catalog uh, and is going to be the big one. As we release pieces, I'll tell you one, for instance, the terminal clipboard mode that's coming to the Brilliant BI 20 and 40X later this month will not be on the Chameleon. So there will be differentiators that come to, and you will continue to see the forking, if you will, of those products because they have to. They cannot be parallel. And please do your research. Talk to me. Talk to Greg or or whomever at APH. Talk to us. Ask us questions. And and I'll leave with that. And I'd love for Thomas to have a last word too. Please ask us questions. That's why we're here. We're not here for any other reason. We need to get feedback. We need to build new products, do new things, push the boundaries, um, compete with each other. Competition is what drives us forward, too. When Hims does something, we look at it. When we do something, they look at it. When Vespero does something, we all look at it. It's important. It's great. And you have choice. You have tons of choice. Uh, and, and it's what makes us rumble. So come talk to us. Thomas, do you have any less uh, comment on that one? Man, I can never follow him. He's just too good. It was it was perfectly said. I mean, it, everything you said is 100% correct. All right. Um, having choice is probably one of the most important things that, that use customers and uh, influencers and people who help us build products. It's one of the biggest things you should push for is choice, more choice. Excellent. Okay. Well, before we give the closing CEU code, I thought I would give you guys an opportunity to give your contact information if people want to reach out or ways that they can find out more. So if you want to visit us during the convention, uh, we have our Zoom uh, booths open one to five central weekdays, two to four central weekends. And the Zoom code is the exact same as our phone number. That's 512-837-837. 2000. That's 512-837-2000. You can find us online at hymns-inc.com. That's hymns-inc.com. Okay. And Peter? As for humanware, uh, our booth is going to be open from 10 to noon and 2 to 4 Eastern time, Monday through Friday of next week. Um, you you will if you go to the exhibitor page you will have to register for our booth um, it's a way that we we've heard a lot of feedback that people don't like it and I can't say I disagree but uh, certainly is uh, you will have to register and you will then be provided with the zoom link to our booth we are at www.humanware.com you can certainly drop me a note at peter.tusic that's t is in tom u c is in charlie i c is in charlie peter.tusic peter common spelling peter.tusic at humanware.com. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. And all of the people here from IAC, thank you too. The closing CEU code is 28574. 28574. 